This is the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, us spoiler special. We're going to go into some spoilerific details here. So if you haven't seen the film yet, go and watch it and then come back and give us a listen. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions talk at you. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Film With Me podcast, Us Special. Uh, this podcast is about the latest cinematic endeavour from the director, Jordan Peele. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you would have heard I've already reviewed this, but I've got some really cool people with me to talk about this in far better spoiler detail than I could have done on my own. So to bring us in on it, hey, hey. I'm going to start off with, uh, I'll start off the, with my guy and then going to the headliner, of course. You know him as John, I know him as Deska. John, how you doing, pal? I'm amazing. I'm your guy, am I? Am I tethered to you, Flinty? Is that oh. what's going on? Ah, good, good, ah, well, good. Lincoln. Well, good. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Some might say we were switched around yes. at birth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to meet um, my tethered? Your tethered. <laughs> please, please bring, bring, bring my in My wife, actually. She's my wife. Jamie. Jamie's Hello. back. I'm back. From the West End. From the West End. I'm so honoured and delighted to be here. I've missed you guys. Yeah. Full disclaimer, we recorded this the other day and I... <laughs> made a howler of uh, recording it at the wrong sample rate and consequently it sounded like three chipmunks and it was <laughs> horrendous so we've re-recorded it i do think though at some point we should actually release it just as a like this is the the chipmunks christmas album slash mm. us special well you know where people are like oh if you subscribe to our patreon you get extra stuff exactly Maybe that sort of <laughs> do, do a bit of patreon uh, that's that's the gifting. level of stuff we've got we've got for oh this. so much chipmunk special yeah amazing <laughs> okay so let's talk about it so us, obviously, you know how I feel about this. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. What is our first thoughts of this film? I loved it. Yeah, really, really loved it. I, I was at a, between a four and a five overall. Um, after really, yeah, hearing your review really got me interested, but I, I thought there was a possibility I'm going to hate this just from what you were saying. But yeah, loved it. I think Get Out, it easily stands up to his first film. Really loved it. What about you, Jamie? I really loved it too. I um, It scared me a lot in all of the parts where I was supposed to be scared. I thought it was brilliant horror crafting. And it's funny. And we don't usually like horror movies, no. do we? Oh my gosh, I'm such a baby. <laughs> Actually, John can attest I spent a good solid chunk of the second half of the movie uh, just clutching you. Um, and I was trying to eat my revel, so well, sorry, I ruined the experience sorry. for you. No, it was it was brilliant, and it also had a lot to say. Uh, and I think everyone could take something different away from mm. it. And I think everyone would leave the cinema wanting to talk about it and wanting to dig a bit deeper. Um, I know I did. So yeah, I loved it. So what, here we are. What I loved about it is right at the start of the film, it kind of you don't realize it until you you see it all unveil. Right from that scene right at the end of the Hands Across America stuff, which I'm sure will 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 dive apart, but. Right at the start of the film, that scene with the TV, which TV looks eerily familiar, maybe because it's just all the nostalgia wrapped around it, but you think about Get Out with the, the TV used in that as well. But in that scene where young Adeline's looking at that TV, you basically got the entire narrative of the film there in front of you, whether it's the pop culture references, all the hands across America, which I'll, again, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail in a moment, but 
that narrative of that advert is what is the, I suppose, the driving motivation for Adline in this film. Yeah, and even, uh, I didn't realise this the first time I watched it, but I read something that said the reflection that you see of young Adelaide after the Hands Across America advert plays is her cutting out paper dolls with scissors. Ah. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> he, he does that so well, doesn't he? He gives mm. everything away, but you'd have to be a complete genius to actually piece it together and yeah. it's only at the very end you or even re-watching it that you realize the mm. genius of it uh, and how, how layered he's made it you say that but i've got to be honest john i actually did see the whole ad line switcheroo thing I don't right at the start you. i generally i was just like now nah, clearly when they showed that scene of she's in the the haunted the house yeah so the mirrored house thing and then the scene later on where the parents like, oh, she just doesn't seem the same anymore. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it's pretty obvious you've done the switcheroo there. It is obvious, but I did not see it. As soon as they, <laughs> as soon as they revealed the twist, I was like, oh, that's a perfect yeah. twist. Of course, that's the twist. But in the moment, I absolutely did not see no, that. No, I didn't either. Mm. I thought, which I thought was really good. I was really glad that I didn't get it. But it was very obvious. Like, yeah. what, how did I not get that? I've seen so many body swap movies. <laughs> I love body swap almost as much as like minimum, you know, miniaturized Asian, Asian movies. But um, so I was very glad that it was a body swap movie in the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but it's okay, it's a spoiler special. Did exactly. we mention that? We will do the cold open <laughs> thing and put it in, John. Oh, don't, don't, don't let people understand. Don't break the magic for people. Yeah, okay. It's all, all one in take. It's all, all cold all opens. Good. Uh, so. To that point, though, that scene right at the start where it kind of talks about the roads under America, the abandoned railways and all that sort of stuff, that, again, was like basically spelling out what was going to become the tethered living and the underbelly of society. Mm. And kind of what one of the things I find absolutely fascinating about that opening scene and how that, that ties it all nicely together towards the end is that in that advert when Adeline's watching the TV about Hands Across America, the key theme of that advert is it's about feeding the hungry. As we talked about 6.5 million people joining Hands Across America on a specific date to, to feed the homeless because the homeless are Americans and they deserve rights. Mm. And then you think back to that amazing creepy scene where you have the, the, uh, the tethered family, let's call them that, with... Uh, Abraham and Red Tethered, let's call them yeah. that, their post, and they're, they're sitting opposite their families. And that really creepy scene where you've got Adeline doing the, the weird thing with her face and looking across, yeah. and Gabe asks, who are you people? And she says, we're Americans. Mm. And all of a sudden, that connotation of we have rights, we we want to fulfil those rights of, of living our lives the, the way we choose to. And then all of a sudden, and I don't want don't to hog the mic too much in this one, but it's fascinating how that initial cusp of you have rights as a person and then Adeline does the old switcheroo with Red and then Adeline is now unfortunately underground or you know is now become Red, I suppose, from that perspective. And her driving force is we deserve rights. These are people too living underground. Mm. And that's that has, ties it all down. I thought fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. And going back to the tunnels, I mean, it describes uh, all these underground tunnels at the start of the movie in America and then you forget about it. And then yeah. it comes, it's not until the end. It's sort of genius because so much has happened in between that that you haven't even thought about it. Um, and the other thing about that scene, I think the iconic scene is them, the Tevard family standing outside the home in the dark, right? Oh, yeah. that was one of the creepiest <laughs> it, things I've ever seen. Is in it my fair mind? to say that is 
a modern iconic horror moment right I, there. I, I think. think so. Mm. That's, I mean, that will stay with you. I think it's so genius. He's obviously, he was fascinated listening to him talk about the doppelganger uh, horror kind of thing. And he was fascinated with that. And all of his ideas come from like spooky dreams he has and stuff. Jordan Peele was mm. kind of, so yeah, if you have Didn't, a... I, I read right of Jordan Peele, he, this, he come the idea for us because uh, he was doing some downtime after Get Out being so successful and he started penning what his next film was going to be and he always had this this uh, dream that he got from a moment when he was waiting at a train station and he saw, he was sitting waiting for a train and as his train was pulling up, he saw on the other platform someone who looked very, very similar to him and it Ooh. freaked him the fuck out and he was like, what if that person <laughs> is me? What happens if I'm actually him and I'm his like his doppelganger and and all of a sudden that that's kind of sparks this idea about doppelgangers and this whole duality of life in there. Let's talk about the 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 duality of that part then. So we we find out in the big reveal scene about three quarters of the way through when um, when Adeline goes underground and sees Red in the classroom and they talk about the this whole methodology. What did you think about that? About the reasons why the tethered exist. Do you mean, like, was it enough explanation? Well, was it enough explanation? Were you happy with the explanation? Or is it... Uh, this is where I, I kind of describe this as a flawed masterpiece, but not in a bad way. It's got so many different explanations in this film. Yeah. And if you start pulling apart them or start thinking about the logic behind them, you're going you're gonna to fall flat. And I was wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah. Mm. I, oh, go ahead, babe. Uh, I didn't really think about it too much to be honest i thought more about what is he trying to say politically and socially mm. uh rather than any of yeah any because i mean you can pick holes for days can't yeah. you but yeah I, I i was more fascinated with what he was trying to say by this and uh, yeah so many different things it was really hard to pinpoint one exactly like this movie mm. goes in probably four or five different parts and at one point, you think it's a racial sort of horror. He's trying to say something about slavery and stuff. And then half hour later, it's something completely different, which is part of the genius of this movie, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, it didn't really bother me, to be honest. What about you, Jamie? It didn't bother me at all because I was way more interested in the aesthetic value and impact of of the... Uh, what am I trying to say? Things like the scissors, the like mm. single glove, mm. everyone in these red jumpsuits. Like, you could poke holes in where all of that shit came from for days. But I didn't care because it was such a striking, it was such striking imagery that was mm. so effective. I also think that it can be. I mean, I, I'm not a filmmaker, but it seems to me that it can be a waste of time in some cases, like to try and explain the mythology down to the minutia mm. because then you lose time for like really vital actual storytelling just by creating something that no one can poke holes in do you know what i mean yeah no agree with that i think that there's kind of the i think jordan peele has a methodology and has a mythology i should say of what has happened till it gets to this point and what could happen in the future but it gives you just enough of a cusp for you to be satisfied of okay they're here because of us i suppose he actually wants to bring a bit of humanity to this mm. i suppose to kind of say that 
The reason why the tethered are here is not a natural thing. It's not a God done it thing. It's a mankind done this yeah. to ourselves. And it's back to the duality. We are our own worst enemies. In fact, um, I love Gabe and Abraham as, as the prime example of this. And I think there's an element of consumerism in this film. Mm. Uh, Gabe is always thinking about what his neighbour's doing, what his mate's doing, not to realise actually he, he is living in a life of privilege himself. He just doesn't know it. And by he, that kind of ambition and drive is kind of what created the tether, as I suppose, to an extent. And there is definitely a duality there. Yeah, I felt like for the first half hour, I felt like Jordan Peele was trying to say like middle class black family, really nice. And it was like a reminder, like, remember, it hasn't been that many generations since uh, we suffered, you know, major racism and we mm. made a lot of strides, strides, but don't get too comfortable kind of thing. And then it changed from that completely. Yeah. Um, which was a kind of a relief, I think, because he gets out, he, he did... Uh, said a lot about race in that film and I think this this film was about a lot more than just race it was about race this was more film if that makes sense like like it's it's yes it does touch upon those things but first and foremost it's a, a horror film where I felt get out was more of a political statement yeah and yeah. and a film and very rightfully so had a cultural effect and um, but this is more of a popcorn horror film with some amazing elements in there and definitely something to say and it got going quickly right i was yeah. get out the thing i loved about get out it took a long time to kind of it hinted at stuff but mm. it was almost like two separate films halfway through like shit this just yeah. got real us it was like bam let's get to the horror and then you're like well i've got an hour and a half left what the heck's <laughs> gonna happen yeah. and it was kind of a survival movie what do we think about the family like as you mentioned them to begin with i I thought it was so good the way they portrayed this family in this film. Yeah, I thought they were brilliant. It was so, like, archetypal, middle-class American family with a <laughs> jokey dad and, like, a <laughs> rascally little kid and a sullen teenager and, like, a stressed-out mom. <laughs> and to that point, sort of to touch on what you guys were saying before, I thought it was actually quite powerful that the movie wasn't about race. Yeah. Um, in that... It created this space for this, like, black suburban middle-class family to exist just to exist, not for the sake of being black or for yeah. the sake to, of saying something about race in America. Yeah. But, you know, be, becoming a, a... Or... What am I trying to say? Like, filling out the norm mm. from just, mm. you know, white people. <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely... I, I completely agree with that. I love the portrayal of like you say Gabe in this is just pulling the jokes and just having a bit of a laugh I thought the kids were genuine kids to be honest yeah. um, and I, I mean this with the utmost of respect of sitting across two Disney workers or ex-Disney <laughs> workers I should say but they're not the typical Disney club hey yeah everything's great like they're, they're just normal kids and you got that vibe anyway from that totally hmm. and is this the first Easter horror movie that you've ever seen Flinty? I can't think of another one. I'm sure our horror listeners will uh, chime in <laughs> with with some great horror Easter movies. But I've got to say, this is probably I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the most successful Easter based. Let's go well, it's with not that. Easter based, but it's got lots of rabbits in it. So I suppose by definition, it makes. What about it Easter. Donnie Darko? Oh, that's true. 
Wow. Sorry, I just threw a wrench in your theory. You really did. I'm, I'm head over heels. A song from Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so Jordan Peele's scared of bunnies. Let's talk about that. Okay. First fact, he he's scared of bunnies. They're pretty... I guess they can be scary. They're pretty ugly up close, to be honest. They're it's the eyes. Rats. It's the red eyes. Mm. Yeah, those, are, those soulless eyes. Watership down will do that to you, man. So mm. I'm with you, Jordan. But I love that. He really puts his own personality in these films, right? Mm. He's like, I'm scared of bunnies. I reckon a few other people might be scared of bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes they, it becomes really sinister, doesn't it? It's like having a horror movie where the children are the evil element. Like, it may turn takes something cuddly and seemingly mm. very safe and turns it into something very sinister, mm. which the duality of that is so creepy. Mm. There's, um, there's lots of little Easter eggs eh, uh, that are dropped in through this film, actually, where... Right at the start, as mentioned, in, on that TV, there's lots of little clues to basically suggest where the narrative's going to go. Yeah. The first time you see Zora, she's wearing a T-shirt with a, a rabbit on it. In fact, the first thing you see in terms of the, the world of the Tethered is that wall of cages filled with rabbits. Mm. And they're in rows of 11. Fun oh. fact. Oh. I also... One of the reasons that I thought this movie was going to be more racially based at the beginning was... And I don't think this is an, an accident because Jordan Peele has said that nothing Nothing's in this film accident, yeah. is accidental. And it's very clear. Um, but it's it's kind of a wall of white bunnies with a few brown ones. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. I don't ah. know. Is that about? Yeah. I mean, I just, I guess to come full circle on that, this this the idea of the underbelly of society or a category of people that have been pushed down systematically can refer to so many different groups. Mm. Um, so in a way, it is a movie about race. It's also a movie about poverty, and it's a movie about, um, you know, but n- native oppression, and it's it's it could be so many different things. Yeah. I thought a real strong immigration, um, a, lot of, a lot of it was about immigration for me. The hands, uh, the really striking image of the hands across across America in their jumpsuits, mm. all holding hands, just looked like the wall for me. I know you guys didn't see that, and maybe I follow American politics too much, but it <laughs> it was along the sort of Californian coast. And would you say like it was a, a strong wall. and stable wall? I <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't mix up Brexit. No, no, let's not let's not go there. But I do I do think there's a, for me I think there was a real element of consumerism in here. I think mm. the, the the most obvious parallel of that was was Gabe, and I can't remember the name of his mate. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Dave. Oh yeah, he was so bland. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. But the whole concept of is that he's got the bigger house, he's got the better boat with the with the flare gun. That I love that joke about the flare gun later on in there. And Gabe is literally, when the kids are in bed and it's time to chill out, he's pacing up and down, moaning about, oh, he's got a better boat than me, oh, he's got a better house than me, oh, sort of thing. And then when you see him confronted against his doppelganger, Abraham, who is literally a clone of him, but he's physically so much more empowering than him, he's so much stronger than him. That is a clear duality of this is the animalistic version of yourself, and look at you—you've basically become—you become a slouch. You're mm. sloppy. Uh, you've got a punch on. You're just yeah. You've victory in the, to quote Bane, victory has defeated you. Like you are, you are the sum of all your parts already, mm. and you don't not you don't realize it, but you actually are very privileged. Mm. And the reason why the tethered are coming for you is because they want your privilege. They've had the force to live through your life in a mirrored way underground disenfranchised mm. being pushed down just wanting just to, to, they're willing to kill to get to where you are mm. 
and all you can do is look across the grass and see if it's greener or not. Yeah. And that scene where, speaking about cinematography, as you mentioned earlier, Jamie, when they break into the house and that scene where the focus of the scene, the entire scene is, is Adeline and Red facing yeah. off against each other. And that scene where Gabe is dragged away by Abraham, you know something horrible is going on. You don't see it. And it's like it's like Jordan Peele's playing with you. He's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face these people off against each other. And no, it's not going to be hammering tongs straight away. They're going to sit down. They're going to have a mm. conversation. We're going to do a bit of expedition and I'm going to infuriate you whilst give you tidbits about what the goal is and why they're doing it in this way whilst being absolutely... Uh, clear as mud in terms of what is going to happen next and that scene where he's dragged outside and you're hearing the screams that's so compelling it's great storytelling mm. it is and it's very artful horror i think because a lot of stuff in this film and and get out as well a lot of stuff isn't shown it's sort of inferred yeah whereas other movies you know as i said i'm a big baby when it comes to horror <laughs> movies and i really hate stuff that's gross and gory just for the sake of it it does just me um and I think it's very, it shows a lot of creativity and uh, sort of interesting workarounds to tell a really scary story in a really compelling, you know, tense way without having to sh do a big reveal of a huge jump scare or, you know, someone's brain falling out of their ears or whatever. Mm. And going back to sort of interpretations of the movie, uh, it's sort of another thing it's all about. Is nature versus nurture, yeah. isn't it? It's like, yeah. what would happen if you got swapped with a twin at birth and grew up a parallel life? A really, uh, you know, for us, it would be a really underprivileged life. And how would you turn out? You know, would you be more bitter? Would you be stronger? Would you be weaker? What? So it's, uh, it's sort of fascinating. It delves into a lot of that and it's yeah. trying to say a lot about that argument, I think. I agree with that. And you think about... So let's, you know, let's, let's take it chronologically, right? Adeline, normal kid, watches Hands Across America, goes to the beach, ends up in the House of Mirrors, gets switched around with Red, ends up waking up chained. That's why she has those chains. Yes. And puts the chains on her mm. deliberately Same in ones. the film. Yeah, to, to really sort of emphasise what she's done to her. And over the course of that switch, you've now got new Red, who's now Adeline, up in the real world. Can't talk, never learnt how to talk. Learns how to talk and express through dance. Through dance, she learns to communicate and becomes becomes Adeline. Some might say she learns to grow a soul. She meets, meets Gabe, gets married and everything else. Obviously, what was happening on the other side was that uh, poor was was Adeline, now Red, is now having to live in this world where she is aware of what was happening above her. She mm. can communicate, she can talk. They make a purposeful choice that her voice is so gravelly <laughs> and I've never spoken in a long time. You know, to emphasise on that, that scene did freak me the fuck out, to be fair. <laughs> and um, I just thought there is something about nature nurturing there. Adeline, you're rooting for her. She's the hero all yeah. of a sudden. Truth is, she's the villain. She's actually yeah. the some, some of all the demons that have caused this yeah. to begin with. It's fascinating. Mm. And it's it also says a lot, I think, about classism and crime mm. and the way we see, you know, in some cases, certain communities that that's, seem to resort to violence or there's a lot of violence there, saying like, oh, it's their fault because they're violent people. But maybe it's not their fault. Maybe, just like the tethered, people in desperate 
more desperate circumstances are way more likely to resort to violence because of the way they've been oppressed mm. by the people up above them who seem really blameless. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just came to me right now. Didn't think about it before I said it. <laughs> no, I, I, there's definitely something in that. I mean, yeah, so let's let's take a step back and just talk about the cast for a minute. Ugh. I think Lapita Nongo, she deserves an Oscar. If she does not get an Oscar nomination for her roles in this film, then there is something wrong in the fucking world. I think she is a tour de force in this. Absolutely incredible. Amazing. And she had to have some sort of counselling after this, right? Because it really took it out of her. I hope that's true and I'm not... Uh, didn't make it up, I but I'm sure I read that. Um, yeah, I've heard that, that. Yeah, similar. She really put her soul into this and yeah. it shows. Uh, but what a contrast between the two... Adelaide and Red, just yeah. incredible. The movement, everything. I mean, and what I I really liked was that it, it felt like subtle at the time, but it's definitely not subtle now knowing the twist properly and confirming the twist. The first scene where she kills one of the twins and she starts making those weird animalistic noises and then when she actually kills Red at the end of the film and she basically, all of a sudden, she like arches her head back and opens her mouth and does a weird <laughs> noise mm. and you're just like, you're not right. <laughs> something yeah. Obviously, you're not right because you've just gone and butchered someone and you've gone through this horrible ordeal, but yeah. something fundamentally is not right with yeah. you. Something's broken in you, and whether it was always broken... And here's an interesting question. They're saying that um, the whole concept is you cannot duplicate a soul, so that is how the tethered is formed, because you are sharing a soul, which means you are doing the same as what the soul is doing. That's why you see the scene where they're at the, the fairground and oh, you've got people yeah. mimicking, mimicking. Such a cool scene. That is what the the link is between. That is what tethers them together. And to untether them, you literally have to kill them, and that's mm. how you, you get your freedom, which is why when they have the ability to go out for this night of horror, they're, they've got those scissors and the symbolism of, of you know, everything on that. But and earned a soul. Like, literally, the fact she has loved someone, she's birthed children into the world, she has experiences, she's expressed herself through dance, all of the things which, if you look in literature of, like, you know, whether you go back to biblical studies or, or just general Renaissance art, they always say the expression of soul is dance mm. and finding someone. Yeah. And she does those things. She so, loves her family. Exactly. So what's, it makes you question, what does it mean to have a soul? Like, mm. this person clearly, by definition, this film has just gave me a logic where these people underground do not have a soul. They want to live like people with a soul, and she has swapped with someone with the soul. Yeah, I'm going in knots now thinking about it, but that's an interesting point. Well, is it a way, is it another way of dehumanizing these people by saying they don't have a soul in the mythology, yeah. but maybe they do actually? Like if if any of any of them had been put in a circumstance where where they could have, where they weren't sort of forced to just be one half this shadow side mm, of mm. people above them who are far more, far more privileged. Um, I go ahead, sorry. I thought the uh, tethered could have been sort of like a mental health um, mm. metaphor as well. Like that's your your inner demon mm. trying to fight you, that you're tethered. Who's... Yep. But then that implies that you're either all good or all bad. And I don't think that's the message there. Yeah. Well, the they're... tethered's are, will you say the tethered's all bad? No, I think it's I uh, under different circumstances, you could be just as bad as the tethered. Adline went from being a sweet, innocent girl to a kidnapper and then a murderer, where mm. Red, who was born in a world surrounded by horrible things, done the switch and became a mother. She became a, a friend. She became a dancer. She became an artist. 
and mm. that's all through the nurture she had of yeah. having a loving family around her. Mm. I've got a question. Do you guys think that Adelaide remembered, like, sorry, read who swapped the yeah. bodies and then became Adelaide in the above ground world? Mm -hmm. Do you think she, like, systematically forgot about the trauma of her youth and just became Adelaide and, and, and thought that was who she was? Or do you think she remembered and that's Ooh, why that's she was so one. scared? Yeah, I, I now... I think she knew, and I think that's why she didn't want to go to the beach. Yeah. Mm. Like, she, she said, I don't want to go to the beach, I don't want to go to the beach. If she didn't remember what happened, then why the hell was she so adverse to doing it? Then again, she was pretty easily convinced. All she, she had still to do, went. She still so. went, yeah. And that was the inciting incident of everything. But I, I think that's an interesting... I'd love to watch it again, imagining that she knew. Mm. You know, because mm. I even thinking back to, like, when she saw the family in the driveway, it's, like, bef way before Gabe was, was thinking about... Um, taking any action she mm. was like i know what they're gonna do i have to call the police like i know she it was yeah. like she knew who they were and and why they were there almost mm, that's true she was really paranoid like she knew something straight yeah. away because maybe she'd been carrying that her whole life like i did this horrible thing and she's gonna come back and get mm. me can we talk about music for a second? You know my uh, let's go for it. I mean, the needle drops three times, doesn't it? Oh, I got five on it. What so there's the original, yep. which they sort of parody in the car and, uh, you know, dorky dad's teaching can, son about... Can I do a sidebar on that scene? Go on yeah. Another dead giveaway that Adelaide isn't necessarily who she is. You know, she looks over to Jason and says, click in time. Oh, yeah. She is not clicking in time at all. She's she, offbeat. She's, she's on the one and three. Yeah, like she's deliberately, or not, they deliberately made her do it offbeat. As if to say, she's not quite right. I don't know what they're trying to say. But there's something interesting in that. Anyway, sorry, mm. back to... So, first, that's the first one. Classic tune. Enjoyed that. S send that then they do a really rocky, slow version in one of the horror scenes, which is like almost like a WWE entrance. It's like wicked, really powerful. So that was in the second house, wasn't it? When they're they're basically just chilling out at that point. And yeah. After they've just butchered a bunch of people. Mm. It's a wicked, slightly disjointed version. Um, amazing. And then the third really memorable one is, the of course, version. the orchestral, which originally was a Tchaikovsky piece. Ah. But they, it was supposed to be Nutcracker, wasn't it? Probably would... would the, it was supposed, the to be, yeah, it was supposed to be Nutcracker, uh, nut, uh, nut I say. Mm. And then Jordan Peele listens to it back or watched an edit and went, how fucking pretentious is this? I don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't want people to think I listen to this because so, it sounds so pretentious. Nothing against people that do listen to that, but I don't. It's not really me. And, like, and so, it's a bit cliche. It is very cliche. The orchestral version of I Got Five on it was stunning. So um, good. Is that when they're doing the dance? The ballet. Yes, yes, and they're mirroring each other. It's an amazing scene. And then the original score, uh, phenomenal. Like the, the recurring sort of horror uh, a cappella voices. It's still stuck in my head. It's so good. It's brilliant. It's so something Hitchcocky about yes. the way he's. I mean, Staccato. I feel. Staccato. Yeah, yeah, I think about. Um, oh, what was it? The Birds, that what it was called? Mm. Uh, with that just eerie scene at the beach with the birds on mm. there in fact i think that's probably a lot of inspiration behind this in fact you know a lot of this a lot of the narrative points of this film takes place in the day at a beach you know and how can going to the beach be scary but he's managed to take that world and twist it mm. and make it part of a scary narrative 
Let's talk about the the second house scene where it's with I can't believe Elizabeth Moss is in this film. Like, first yeah, of all. she's great also, and it's so different than the character she normally plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we joked about this off mic, but when um, Jordan Peele's there, thinking, okay, okay, people keep moaning that um, I'm just focused on race. I'm gonna go pick the most middle aged white man's favorite TV shows actors <laughs> and put this in. Oh, I'll get get it from Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Handmaid's Tale. White people like that. I'll put, <laughs> yeah. I'll put that in. Uh, but she's absolutely fantastic in this and speaking about the the tethered part about when she was to her her i suppose her human if that's the right way to describe it or her above ground counterpart saying oh i had i had a face tuck done and then you see the horrible scar on her oh yeah tethered equivalent mm. and then the scream when she you realize that tethered do not have the ability to speak uh, whether they're born with it or it's removed from you don't know and then all of a sudden, again, that's another clue that Red is not necessarily who you think she is because she can talk. Yeah, no one else has. For, some of them can make noises. Yeah, like like, animalistic sort yeah. of noises, but not actual just But that, that shot of Elizabeth Moss, the tethered version of, I think Kitty was her character name. Yeah. Um, the, the shot with her doing a silent scream and it turning into silent laughter is one of the coolest and creepiest. Mm. I kind of all of a sudden want her to play the Joker now. Anyway, we'll talk about that on a, on a podcast <laughs> oh, at some point. That would be incredible. Um, but yeah, that first of all, that whole scene put together, the comedy breaking this. I mean, we've, we've, we've gone for nearly half an hour into this pod and we've not mentioned about the comedy chops that Jordan Peele has. Major. And the style he puts into this. Well, that's where he comes from, isn't it? Very true. Key and Peele. Very true. Um, and yeah, it's a funny movie. It's got some really great comedic parts without ever detracting from the horror uh it's a fine balance to draw you know going too scary movie-esque yeah um and he still manages to drop the needle with nwa and it's not cheesy <laughs> no it's hilarious the alexa um, oh yeah that was brilliant pastiche is incredible isn't it it's yeah so funny and you know it's a good a good mick take of our kind of techno, it is. techno and you kind of think culture. it's gonna save her because kitty you know dying is like ophelia call the police <laughs> playing fuck the police yeah <laughs> so good amazing generally love that scene so let's talk a bit so we talked about the story we talked about the cast i just want to give a shout out to i think this film has been made masterfully not just in terms of just the direction but also what the way the film was edited together the cinematography in this film is beautiful as mentioned that shot earlier about the families facing off against each other i love the lake shots as well with gabe and abraham mm -hmm. i thought that was great the scenes through the second house where it was just like this house of privilege of very clinical and uh, just just like it looked like a showroom and the way they done that panning shot of the family just sitting there covered in blood just listening to i've got five on it in that, yeah. that weird weird version i thought was just absolutely fantastic and of course that scene at the end the big sprawling hands across america yes yeah beautiful shots this was the tricky second movie mm. for jordan peele and i think we're unanimous that he's nailed it um for me, it, I sort of look at Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, and Pulp Fiction. If this feels very similar, like Pulp Fiction and this movie, he almost expanded, made, made a bigger, more interesting movie mm. than uh, sort of nitty gritty first. Um, I think, yeah, it's very, it bodes very well if uh, a director's second movie is as good as this. It's so weird that he's only in his second film, but he's got such a style, right? He has a colour palette. He's so got, clear. It's amazing, isn't it? And he's so confident, as he should be. 
you know, he. But you could not have made. He could not have made this film off the bat. Like Jordan Peele would have never been allowed to have the mm. creative freedom that he has had in this film if he didn't do Get Out first. Yeah, I think he's gonna be shit hot property for the next ten years. Whatever he makes next is gonna be huge. I generally, I hope, I hope we're right in saying this. I think he's one of those directors which, in ten years' time, we'll all sit down and go, "What's your favourite Jordan Peele movie?" And we'll all have different answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I generally love Us. Uh, I, I personally now, I think maybe because I've watched Us about three times in the last two weeks, and I've done a lot of reading on this film. It's stuck in. It stayed with me a lot longer yeah. than Get Out did. Um, Get Out is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, right? amazing. It's like it's just it's like the. You can't necessarily pick your favourite one, but if you had to, for me, it's us. But maybe his next one, it might sound completely different. Mm. But it feels like an anthology. This guy's got a bunch of stories to tell. He's working on Twilight Zone at the moment. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Oh, it looks so cool, doesn't it? I think it's got um, oh, the guy from Parks and Rec in it as well. I can't remember his name. Anyway, I'll do it another time. Chris but, Pratt. No, not Chris Pratt. The um, guy who marries... Leslie Knight. Oh, yes. He plays Ben, but his name is not Ben. Yes. And he's brilliant. He's like the main lead. Yeah, or yeah. I think he's going to be in a lot of the episodes anyway. He looks... That's no, going to be fantastic. He's really good. But if you, if you said this was made by a guy who's thinking about Twilight Zone, I could totally see where that comes from. This feels like it could be a Twilight Zone episode it in does. a film. It does. It feels like... It, like it, it feels like an extended Twilight Zone or like a black mirror, like mm. a really long, really excellent black mirror. Yeah, it's hard not to make the comparison, isn't it? I think Jordan Peele is a massive fan of Black Mirror and Charlie Brooker. I, I actually heard him say that Black Mirror was the best TV show ever made. So that's wow, that is some... That's good praise coming from someone like him, though, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, but they're, they're, I, I think they've similarly got these incredibly original interesting concepts and have the confidence to really push them through come what may original concepts but familiar enough to creep us all out to our core because we're like oh god that looks like the world i live in yeah Yeah. and we've been crying out for these people to make these movies because personally yeah i feel like it's a breath of fresh air from remakes um and just the same story being repackaged you know Mm. I feel like if Us came out three months ago, it's winning an Oscar. Given the di- slightly yeah. disappointing field, uh, I think it wins. Oh, yeah, it trumps anything that, that won, in my opinion, um, from the Oscars this year. And that's no disrespect to some of those films. Roman was absolutely fantastic, and there's some great great things in there. I think yeah, we, we will be talking about Us in Oscars um, come next year. But if we had to say... OK, so Jordan Peele has created... A world he's created some law here he's also created some law with get out and you could see a world where they're kind of in the same world or, or not and um, do we want him to stick or twist do we want him to do a sequel to us or go more into the toy box of us or do we want him to go somewhere else somewhere else i think somewhere else as well i think there's a craving i feel a craving to go deeper into the toy box of us but i feel like that is a not not that it would be a cop-out for him but it, it probably wouldn't be as satisfying as we think it would be mm. you know what i mean yeah i don't think it would i mean there are, there are a lot of answers that we want but i think it's one of those things where it's better to leave it up to your imagination i want him to come back to it but not now the easy thing would be because this is like the highest selling horror movie for a i don't know if it's ever but it's like in terms of opening weekend it's the highest horror movie opening um ever which is absolutely fantastic 
obviously the studio are going to be going up to him with a big bag of cash mm. and just saying, what the fuck do you want to do next, Mr. <laughs> Hill? And um, yeah, part of me wants to go find out what... Because he, he says in interviews all the time, I've got stories to tell. Mm. And if this is just this is just one of the stories you've got to tell, then let's hear what else you've got to say. But I'd love it maybe, I don't know, five years' time, in between another amazing project, if you can just do a little little bit of us, I would, mm. I would be very happy with that. I really... I would, I personally would like to see, or maybe it's like a, an unofficial prequel. Like it's a story where the twist at the end is is actually the prequel to us yeah, of how, yeah. how Ooh, the, yeah. the tethered was made or something. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. He's that sort of guy you could imagine making ten movies and then blowing your mind and like, oh, by the way, they were all linked. Yeah, <laughs> yes, totally. They're all in the same universe. Can I say something about the cast quickly? Ah, uh, go for it. The kids. Oh, so good. The kids. The little kid, Evan Alex. Yeah, we we listened to him an interview with him, and he speaks like a thirty-year-old man. Yeah, he's so he's so grown on. up. He wants to be a filmmaker, just like Jordan Peele, and it absolutely burst my heart open. It's so <laughs> cool and and inspiring. Anyway, um, the performances by both the kids I thought were absolutely mm. out of this world, and and both their tethered sort of roles as well so so good oh the girl tethered girl was the scariest thing about it i didn't even think it was the same actress for a little while she proper transforms herself doesn't she she? was horrifying what i found quite interesting actually the duality between the kids and their counterparts was as mentioned before obviously if you're doing something your mirrored part is doing the same thing they they even talk about it with zora of uh, all those hours you spent on the track you put to good use right it gets you ready for the big race mm. turns out the big race would be against her counterpart trying to kill her and the ca- the counterparts are like right every time you've been on that track I am too I've been too I've yeah. been running around down ground and uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get it on and um, but it was kind of weird with Jason and his mm. counterparts it's more like a hey we're gonna go play and just be curious and he was longing for a buddy to play with wasn't he how did Jason get burnt though well, I read something about this that that maybe every time he above ground was trying to make his fire magic trick work, you know, he's like flipping that oh little thing. Oh my god. Underground, it was burning his face. Mm. Oh my that is just you've turned something which was kind of like, oh yeah, it's kind of cool to oh my god, there's an underlined meaning which is yeah. terrible. <laughs> Horrifying, isn't it? I don't know if that's what Jordan Peele intended, but I it seems it makes sense to me. Um and yeah, that was interesting because that was the only it's clear that Red wanted to toy with them uh, and also kind of drive home what had been done to her in a way. So they didn't immediately just go for the slaughter like some of the other tethers did with, with yeah. their above ground counterparts. But especially uh, the little boy and his name is Jason. Yeah. <laughs> the little boy and, and Pluto, his tethered counterpart. They They were the only ones who didn't didn't start out in a struggle to the death. Yeah. They started mm. out with like a bit of fun and games. Mm. It was really Pluto's kind of cute, wasn't he? He was kind of cute. <laughs> until he tried to blow up the family's car with a line of gasoline. He was just taking orders from his mum. Mm, fair enough. Mm. But yeah, there's something there's something weird about maybe there's a I don't know, maybe there's a line of innocence. Maybe he wasn't at the age that Red was when she switched around, so she's yeah. like, "There's no reason yeah. to have this child." The but it goes back to nature there. nurture. Yeah. yeah, he hadn't been he hadn't been taught about that world just yet. So yeah. maybe, well, I don't know. That's that's you've blown my mind there, Jamie. Um, on that bombshell, shall we close it? How, how far in are we? 
42 minutes. I was mate. hoping you were going to say 11 11. <laughs> but, uh, but all right, so in 42 minutes, I think that let's call it there. So thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. As mentioned, we are the Talk Filming to Me uh, film podcast. If this is the first time you've listened to us and you've got this far, maybe you're willing to go a little bit further. If you click on the subscribe button every week, you'll get a podcast from us talking about the latest in news, entertainment, general pop culture. We have guests, we have games, we have a good time. And um, anyway, that's the plug done. John, obviously, we'll start with you, then goes to the headliner. How can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, uh, ranting and trying to win T-shirts from from your, your good fine self, Dead Good Tees. Big shout out to them, by the way. At Descamento on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Jamie Pruden or on Instagram and any uh, podcast platform at How to Save the World Podcast, which is my sustainable living podcast, which I host with my best friend. It's awesome. And you can buy Moonbeam Cream. Oh. We're going to make an advert. For we're that. not going to plug we Moonbeam. We are going to. Why not? No. We need to sell some cream. It's too late. It's... I guess you already plugged it. <laughs> always, always trying to get, get, get your plugs and get the plugs in. That's on but, but more importantly, Jamie, you, you, you do yourself a disservice here. You've just finished on the West End working at Company, which you've done an absolutely stellar job on. Soon, you've got another gig lined up and you're going to be announcing it soon. I do. Teaser, teaser, teaser. I can't say exactly what it is yet, but it is a musical based on a really great film. An amazing comedy, which yeah. we watched the other night and it stands up. Even though it's, it's way better than I remember it. Years old. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, thank you, Flint. It has been great with company. I loved being on the West End. It was a dream come true. And now I'm having a little break, uh, which is why I have time to record this podcast with you guys. So I'm very grateful. Well, we appreciate you being here. And I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, we could really get into a gratefulness loop here, so I'll just cut it off. <laughs> so there you go. From us to you. Till next time, stay filmy. Bye-bye. Bye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.